This is um, week three of this series, Sex in a Broken World. Several years back, I heard a story of a group of Boy Scouts in California that were hiking um, on a trail in the mountains, and all of a sudden, one of the, the boys who had gone to the bathroom disappeared. And it was a little ways down the road before they realized that this child was missing. So as this group was hiking, he kind of fell back and let the group go on so that he could go to the restroom in privacy. It was weeks before they found his body. And what they found is that it appeared a mountain lion had been stalking this troop as they hiked through the mountains. And the moment the boy got off by himself alone, the mountain lion attacked and killed him. And that story just brings to mind the, the passage that said Satan is like a roaring lion and that he is looking for someone to devour. And as we talk about sex and our world and our culture, I believe it's one of the greatest tools that Satan has to devour people. You remember that he is the father of lies, that he is here to still kill and destroy. And so throughout this series, we, we've had these three fundamental assumptions, right? One, God is for you. God loves you. God is passionately pursuing you. Um, and while the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, he came that you would have this abundant and beautiful life. Secondly, that God is a good father, and like good fathers, he gives parameters to his people, to his children that he loves, not to make sure their life is miserable, but to protect them and to take care of them. And the third, that is sex is good. That from the very beginning, God gave us sex as a good gift. And for so long in our churches, we've said, it's a bad thing, don't do it. But, but here's the truth. It is a good gift that is to be celebrated between one man and one woman for life. And as we've said throughout this series, sometimes that is not the case. Circumstances happen. Divorce, brokenness happen. And God is there to redeem and God is there to restore and to renew. But because of that, there is still pain in our life. And so as we look around our culture and our world today, we see a very broken and distorted view of sex. And the reason is God created it, but sin distorted it. God took this beautiful gift that he gave us, and Satan, the father of lies, said, hey, no, it's so much better if you'll go outside of the boundaries that God has set in place. It will work much better. And so right now I'm, I'm guessing, and from the conversations I've had over the last, there's several people in a lot of different places. I want to speak to kind of those different places this morning the, of the people here in our room because I think there's a group that says, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't struggle with it. It's not a, as big of a deal as you think it is, Gary. And the truth is, Nationally, statistics say the church struggles with it just as much as people outside of our churches. About 60% of men and about 33% of women struggle with pornography inside our churches. And from the conversations I've got to have with people, 
Shiloh is not that different. This is a problem across our world. And I would say to the person this morning who says, well, it's, it's not that big of a struggle for me. I, I'm not real worried about it. I would say be very, very careful. You remember last week, David? David, who he said was one of the most spiritual men in the Bible and sexual sin got him. Samson, who was one of the strongest men in the Bible and sexual sin got him. Solomon, who was one of the wisest men in the Bible and sexual sin got him. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how wise you are. If you let your guard down in this area, sexual sin will attack. And Satan will use it as a tool to drive a wedge between you and your relationships with other people and your relationship with God. And then I would say there's another group who says, I am struggling, or I have struggled, and I've been through it, and I know this is a big deal, and I'm so glad we're talking about it. And this morning, if, if you're in that place of struggling, like I said last week, I want to leave you with hope. I want to leave you with hope that there is redemption and there is restoration. Because last week you got to see just a front row seat to the life of David and how the results of sin grabbed hold of his life and had far-reaching effects on so many people. Not just his family, but a nation. Incredible implications. And so this week we're going to look at a similar story, but it has a far different outcome. An outcome that was different that could have been the exact same as David's. And it's a story of a guy named Joseph. Joseph is the son of one of the Jewish patriarchs, Jacob. He is one of his favorite sons. So much so that he gives them this beautiful coat and his brothers are jealous of, of Joseph. And so one day when they're out in the field, they decide that they're going to kill him. They throw him into a pit. But thankfully they change their mind. Instead, they do like good brothers would do and sell him into slavery. Make a little money. And then they go and tell his father he is dead. And you think about this moment because Joseph is literally stripped of his identity. Not of his coat, but of his family, of his heritage. And he's shipped off to Egypt where he becomes a slave in the house of one of Pharaoh's official, Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard. And while he lives with Potiphar, God continues to bless him and help his life and Potiphar's life prosper because of Joseph. And Joseph finds himself in this place where he is in charge of everything in Potiphar's household. So I'm going to pick up in the story, chapter 39. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house, everything he owns. He is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I. 
My master has withheld nothing with nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Now then, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So this the story that's so similar to last week, except the tables are flipped a little bit. Where David sees this woman off bathing on a roof, Joseph is basically attacked by Potiphar's wife every day, seducing him, trying to get him to come to bed with her, trying to get him to sleep with her. And you think, how easy would it have been for Joseph to rationalize the situation? Wait, God has blessed me, and he is giving me this opportunity as a gift. In fact, she's coming on to me. I'm not even doing anything. It's her fault. Or or no one would know. What's the big deal? I work hard for what I have and for what we've accomplished, and so obviously this is the blessing of God. And I ask, how easy is it for you and I to rationalize and say, it's not a big deal. It doesn't really affect me that much. No one will know. Or maybe I don't really have a problem. I'm in control. I can quit anytime. Or maybe the flip side of that, I I do have a problem. I'm not in control. I can't quit. We can rationalize so easily these opportunities. Sometimes I feel like my, that God put my wife here to pop the bubble in my head occasionally. Um, several years ago, we had gone to a conference in St. Louis, and we were checking out of the hotel, and this was back when you actually had to go to the hotel desk to check out of a hotel. And so I'd gone down there, and my wife was waiting outside in the car, and I'm sitting here on the counter, and this lady's young, beautiful receptionist looks over the counter and says, man, you're really big and strong. Do you play football? And of course, you know, you get the compliment like that, and of course your shoulders stick back a little bit, and your stomach sucks in a little bit more, and you stand there. And So I, I go back out to the car, and of course, my, I'm, I kind of have a big head at this moment. And I go out to the car and I sit down and my wife knows something is up. And she says, what's going on? And I said, well, the receptionist in there evidently thinks I'm pretty hot. She asked if I played football. She said, I was pretty big and strong. And without missing a beat, my wife goes, she look over the counter. (laughs) That wasn't funny. I'm so thankful that you can laugh at my pain. But Joseph has the opportunity to rationalize the situation, the circumstances. But Joseph refuses to rationalize his behavior and compromise his integrity for a momentary pleasure. He refuses to rationalize his behavior 
and compromise his integrity for a momentary pleasure. See, the pleasure would be short-lived, I can promise you. But the consequences of that compromise could last a lifetime and could affect thousands and thousands of people. You remember he's the father of lies, that he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And the seduction that's right there in Joseph's face is the perfect opportunity to destroy Joseph's life and the people closest to Joseph. So going on, verse 11, one day. This is how it starts, right? One day, something happened. But, but you have to understand this. What happens one day has the potential to impact every day that follows. What happens one day has the potential to impact every day that follows. One decision that you think is no big deal, that's not a problem, that pornography is not an issue, that the, the simple flirting with a coworker is not a big deal, has the potential to impact every day that will follow from there on forward. So one day, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. This one moment that happens one day, seemingly a normal day, that has now the potential to change every day that will follow. She grabs him by his cloak, takes hold of him, and says, come to bed with me. What happens one day has the potential to impact every day that follows. In the book of Proverbs, there's Lady Wisdom, and then there is Lady Folly. And Lady Folly is described basically as a prostitute. And, and I want you to listen to these words as Lady Folly makes her rounds, seducing. And I want you to listen with the story of Joseph in the background. At the window of my house. I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near the corner, near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant, and her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, she lurks at every corner. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face, she said, Today I have fulfilled my vows. I have food for my fellowship offering at home, so I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. 
I have covered my bed in colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deeply of love until morning. Let us enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home until the full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk, and all at once he followed her like an ox going to slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose until an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life. Little knowing that the consequences in this moment would cost him everything he holds dear. How many people in that one moment of indiscretion look back and say, it cost me my family. It cost me my marriage. It cost me years and years of struggle. It cost me a divorce. It cost me a relationship with my kids. And it looks so seductive and so alluring. And the temptation is to follow Lady Folly and to step in, but little knowing that it would cost him his life. And see, the trap is... We're afraid to say this is a problem. We're afraid to raise our hand and say, I need help. You see, for Joseph in this story, it goes horribly wrong. He is confronted with his wife, with Potiphar's wife, and he runs, leaving his cloak in his hand. And then she goes and makes up a story, and he finds himself in prison for at least two years. He faces the consequences of a sin he did not commit. He faces the consequences of a sin that he didn't do. You see, and here's the problem. We assume the worst consequence is getting caught. We assume that's the worst of it. But being caught is not the worst part. It is the irreversible damage that is done to your heart, soul, and mind. And yes, the scars may heal, but they will never disappear. They will stick with you for life. Little knowing that it would cost him his life. See, and here's the truth. We fear the consequences of confession far more than we fear the consequences of concealment. But until we fear the consequences of concealment more than we fear the consequences of confession, change will continue to elude us. Until we're more afraid of what happens if we keep it bottled up inside and don't deal with it. 
than we are of the fear of what would happen if people found out. Change will not happen. He's caught in this trap, and he has this moment where he has to decide. He's in the palace where he's supposed to be working, doing the job that he's supposed to be doing all alone, and she grabs hold of him. And I wonder, where's the place that you're confronted? For, For Joseph, it was at his job. Maybe for you, it's at your job. Maybe it's in the gym. Maybe it's on your phone or the streaming apps on your iPad. And the the greatest advice that I could give you is to do exactly what Joseph did in that moment and run from it. To flee from it. And so as we wrap up, I want to kind of talk just specifically to two different groups of people this morning. Two different groups. The first group is those who are not struggling. They say, you know, this is, this is not a problem for me. And as we said earlier, be very, very careful. Be very careful. So the, the group who's not struggling, one, refuse to be alone with someone of the opposite sex. Plain, plain and simple. Refuse to be alone with someone who is of the opposite sex that you're not married to. Specifically, let me say, to those who are married. If you're married, refuse to be alone with someone of the opposite sex. If you must be, make sure it is in a public setting. Make sure it's not in an office with a door closed or in a house where no one else is home. But when you can, refuse to be alone with someone of the opposite sex if you're married. Two, be cognizant of what goes in. Specifically, what we watch, what we listen to, what we hear. Because what goes in to our mind funnels down into our heart. And it affects us greatly. And you can say, well, it's just it's nudity, it's no big deal on TV, it's, it's, it doesn't affect me. But I promise you, it will have an effect. Three, know your triggers. What are the things that cause you to start seeking comfort? Is it anxiety or fear? Is it when you're hungry, when you're alone, when you're lonely? Know those things that trigger you. Because that's always where addiction begins. And four, If you don't struggle, I would say invite accountability. Invite someone else into your life that you can be open and honest with. That on occasion you can say, you know what, I was watching this TV show and I had this inclination, this urge when I saw this lady, when I saw this man, and I know it wasn't of God. And I just need to confess that to someone and pray for me so that it doesn't slip into my life. Continue to be vigil. Continue to keep up your guard. Continue to realize that Satan is looking for someone to devour. And one of the greatest ways he does that in our world today, I believe, is through sexual sin. And then let me say to those who feel trapped, 
you're struggling and you feel trapped and you don't know what to do, first of all, take a deep breath. Just plain and simple, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. It could mean things are going to get really difficult. It could mean there's a really long road for you ahead. But slow down and breathe. Two, admit you have a problem. Admit you have a problem. And I know we'll say things like, it's not that big of a deal, I can quit any time, it doesn't affect me. But so often we live in denial. We live in denial, refusing to admit that something is not right. Three, change your patterns. Change your patterns. When is it that you feel tempted? It's when I sit down to check my email, or when I sit down to get on social media, or when I sit down on the couch and no one else is in the house and I turn on a streaming service. And those are things that trigger me, and I fall into this addiction cycle. Know those triggers and change the pattern. Joseph runs. What was his pattern? Going into the house to attend to his duties. And when she grabs hold of him, he stops, leaves everything there, and runs. He gets out of the house. And four, ask for accountability. Invite accountability into your life. Ask for help. Admit, I cannot do this on my own. And I need God to give me strength. And I need someone else to walk beside me. So I want to kind of, because Joseph, right, in in the moment, Joseph could have said, hey, Potiphar's wife is hitting on me day after day. Can you hang out with me while we're doing our household duties? How, How different could this situation have been if there was another set of eyes in the room? If he wasn't alone? If he didn't get caught by himself? How different could it have been? And I say ask for help because you can't do this on your own. If you could do it on your own, you would have. If you could just stop, then this wouldn't be a problem. So a couple of resources I want to give you. First is a place called Covenant Eyes. And it is accountability software. And it just simply says... You share your email address with another person, and they get a report of your activity. If if online is a problem for you, Covenant Eyes. The other one is triplexchurch.com, and it is an accountability software as well. One is, I think, 16 bucks a month. The other one is, I think, $90 a year. If you need that and it is a problem, let us know, and we will take care of it for you. I don't know where the money will come from. We'll make sure it happens if you need help with that. We want to be able to be a help. And then the last resource is this, help at shilohroad.com. And as I said last week, I want two two groups of people to do something for me. If you're struggling, 
and you're trapped and you don't know how to get out, I want you to email and say, I need help. The only one that will ever see or know about that email is me. And what I want to do is I want to help connect you with someone else in our church who has been in your shoes, who has walked through this and come out on the other side and battling through it even still. And so I need that second group who have been through this struggle, who have dealt with this, to email me and say, I can help. I will, will help. Because here, here's the truth. Over the past couple of weeks, I've heard from multiple people, and all with the same story. If I could go back and change that one moment, that first time, that second time, that decision I make, I would give anything to do it. See, what Joseph finds out is sometimes that purity comes at a great cost. Sometimes doing the right thing in the moment that God is leading you to and calling you to has an enormous cost. See, Joseph runs, and he finds himself in prison for two-plus years. But somehow in this, God continues to bless his faithfulness to the point that he becomes second in command behind Pharaoh of all of Egypt. And not only is he in command, he has the foresight and the knowledge and the Spirit of God working in him enough that he can say, hey, there is a famine coming, and I have a plan of how to save this people. And Pharaoh gives him the charge to do it, and he does it. And not only does he bless the nation of Egypt because of it, he ends up blessing his own family because of his Decision to remain faithful in an incredible, difficult moment of temptation. Because the decision that he made one day ended up impacting every day that would follow for the good. And because of his decision, Thousands upon thousands of multiple nations were blessed. See, and here's the thing. You may never see the full impact from the fruit of your faithfulness for generations to come. But here's what I can promise you. I promise you, you will have a front row seat to see the emotional carnage that is left behind from one moment of indiscretion. You will have a front row seat to watch the pain that you cause your spouse or your family or your children. Do not allow the fear of confession to continue 
to keep us from, from letting go of what's inside, of confessing what's there and what's a problem. I want to just ask you this morning, if you're struggling and you need help, help at shilohroad.com, and we will make sure we walk beside you, man or woman, regardless, that is the purpose of the church, to be there to strengthen each other. Father, today, Father, we continue to see your goodness in this world. Father, as we talk about a really, really difficult, difficult topic, one that has broken families down and that has left so much carnage in its wake, and so, Father, today, first, I pray for the strength of healing from your spirit in the lives of those who have been hurt, those who have been left behind, those who feel like there's no way out. And, Father, we pray that your spirit would bring healing to those relationships and to those people. And, Father, I pray that we would continue to build in our life protection things that keep us strong and safe with the Spirit of God at work in our life. Father, we pray that you would give us a heart to love you and to know you like nothing else. And Father, that we would continue to push back against the attacks of Satan every single day. And that you would give us the strength to stand firm. God, fill us with your spirit. Continue to love us. Continue to care. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.